Welcome to Talking Shop from Vixen Labs, the podcast making voice work for marketers. In this series, we dive into the data, scour the case studies, and bring you the business insights you need to build voice into your digital and marketing strategies. I'm your host, James Poulter, CEO at Vixen Labs, and each week I'll be joined by industry leaders to help us get really practical when it comes to building voice into your marketing strategy. Whether you're wondering how voice search can help customers find you, or how voice applications can enable you to connect and convert customers, well, this is the show for you. Okay, let's get talking. Well, it is 2021, and the past couple of years has not only affected the way in which we shop, the way in which we play, and the way in which we learn, but definitely the way in which we spend our money. A massive transformation in e-commerce has driven nearly all transactions into the digital-first environment. Contactless payments have gone from being a novelty to now being the absolute default, and cash is being called into question. At the same time, the fintech market is accelerating at an enormous pace, disruption in everything from mortgages to insurance, traditional banks being broken down by challenges, and they are starting their own challenges. And on top of all of that, voice technology has gone rampant through the voice industry and now into banking and finance. And that is what this episode of Talking Shop is all about. Business and finance, business and banking, finance and banking. The combinations are endless, but that's what we're going to try and talk about here. As you know, recently we've just conducted at Vixen Labs our Voice Consumer Index Pulse Report for 2021, looking deep into consumer behavior and the impact it has for brands and businesses. And one of the biggest brands and business areas that we wanted to look into was this whole area of finance and banking because, well, money isn't everything, but it makes the world go round. And in this episode, I wanted to get some expert opinion from people that work very closely with these big financial institutions across the world. And there is no better expert to talk to than a doctor in the field (laughs) of this area. Robin Kiera joins us for this episode of Talking Shot. Robin, welcome to the podcast. James, thank you much for, for having me here. I'm super honored to be here. And voice is a super strategic area. And I think uh, we have a lot of fun talking about it. Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. I believe you're in Hamburg, Germany, if people haven't picked that up from uh, the accent. And Robin, you run digital scouting and you're also an ambassador for our friends at the Open Voice Network who partnered with us on the most recent research. But I think that would, just saying those two things doesn't give anywhere near the level of credit that should give to your experience and background in the world of finance and and banking. Maybe just tell us a little bit about how you came to work in this fascinating industry and, and how you've ended up thinking about voice. Yeah, totally. Uh, I had the luck of starting to work with one of the wealthiest families in Germany. That's my first job. You know, it only can get worse after that. But uh, I changed then uh, to, to the insurance industry where I really sold insurance policies on the street of Hamburg. I always say between me and the CEO, we're 27 hierarchies. Between me and the hierarchy below, only the street to the client. So I still could sell, but I, I have been clean for several years. So um, don't worry. And after working uh, really at the, the base of insurance, I am um, you know, selling insurance in the, in the real world, not in theory. Um, I also did like large transformation projects for insurers. And uh, then I, you know, I was infidel. I, I went to, to banking. So, you know, it's like, what could you do worse from going from insurance to banking? The bankers don't like you. They think you're an insurance guy. And the insurance people think, oh, he was infidel, you know. <laughs> so, but I got back to insurance 
all after that. So that got me back. So that means I know the insurance industry inside out from the sales part, also from the internal processes part, from the innovation part, but also the finance and fintech space. Because in the end, I strongly believe both uh, should serve uh, the customer and the customer doesn't actually care if it's insurance, if it's finance. It's all about uh, solving problems and, and you know delivering painless, frictionless services. But what do we actually do? First, I ran it in stages and said, you know, you're all going to be out of jobs because of this digital stuff. And after that, I um, founded a blog. The blog went through the roof. And yeah, out of that came a consulting company, which uh, we have now 30 people all around the world helping insurers and banks, um, especially insurers and banks, also some real estate companies, to you know figure out this digital thing, strategy, being sparing partner, optimizing sales forces, and also modernizing marketing departments. And voice is an important point because we are called digital scouting. So they expect from us, we scout trends around the world. And one trend I really surely see is voice. And that's why I'm so happy that we talk here. That's great. Thanks so much. It's such a, a wide and varied experience. I mean, insurance is one of those topics that no one wants to think about until they need it. Banking is one of those things that people have to interact with every day, whether they love it, they're you know, day trading on the stock market, trying to you know, kind of game Forex or crypto, or you know, just worried about whether or not they've got enough in the, uh, the bank account to you know, kind of pay for a McDonald's at the weekend. You know, it really, really varies. But voice seems to be something that's cutting across all of these industries and potentially has an impact for those in the B2B space as well as in the consumer area. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about where you have seen over the past couple of years as you've got involved in this area where there's most appetite for voice right now in the financial industry? Well, I think voice is just a product on the shelf or it's like a symptom of a certain thing. So uh, what I've seen, let's talk about innovation in general. So we have seen insurers and banks doing a great job and you have seen insurers and banks that did a bad job. Banks that did the bad jobs uh, are, you know, slowly getting into some serious trouble. We have serious problems with the business model, low interest rate. I don't need to talk about that because I don't want to make anybody cry at the end of the podcast. So the good times where, you know, or the, of, of the giants, I, I think, are over. We have severe problems all around the world in banking, but that's not the situation in insurance. Nevertheless, it's a big question. How do you handle innovation? And I think voice is like, you know, um, innovation is like sport. You know, two, two super important things. If you do not practice it, yeah, you're not good at it. You know, if I don't practice sport, if I don't go to the gym, it's really bad. And if you're not in the field, you can't score a goal. It's two super simple truths, but they are so important if you talk about innovation and companies. So if you do not invest in innovation, when you do not train your people in innovation, if you do not train your people in actually dealing and handling uh, voice skills and interaction also with, with partners you, you maybe have there to help you, uh, then yeah, there's no chance that you uh, are part of something that goes through the roof. No chance if you are not uh, participating in it, um, if you do not practice it. Yeah, and I think that's my main message. Insurance of, uh, or banks, I don't actually care. You need to build up your innovation muscle. And voice is an important part. And uh, I sometimes have the funny feeling that we have now everywhere innovation departments, but sooner or later we need to uh, tackle this technology for sure. So you see an opportunity here for voice across the industry. Finance has been early, actually, in many cases to try and get some of these use cases off the ground. We've seen in the US, banks like JP Morgan, banks like the Citigroup and others starting in things like adding voice to their repertoire of digital channels. Big banks like Bank of America in the US adding things like Erica, their own owned assistant to their banking solutions. And in Europe as well, many others, you know, kind of trying it both in the challenger space and in the more established banking sector. But as they're going in that direction, with the people that you speak to day to day, 
in these you know, institutions. Where are they seeing the opportunity that voice might play to serve either consumers or, or enterprise customers? They don't. They don't see it. They are so busy with other daily jobs. I mean, they need to convince clients that they need to pay that the clients need to pay them when they have too much money on their account. You know, it's like the different, the, the opposite of the concept of interest in the banking space. You have severe problems in the housing market, real estate market. You have some problems in certain financial areas, in insurance. Uh, you have uh, major loss events happening around the world. You have COVID business. So there are the million, million problems out there. And voice is not one of them. But that doesn't make it less urgent to actually deal with it. There are some specialists in, in, in both industries that, that try to fight and have the mandate to deal with that. But it's, it is not a top priority, neither insurance nor in finance, but it should be one to think about. And I think that's, that's super important because it is an opportunity. I always ask the people when they ask me, Oh, Robin, is this going to pop or not independently of the, of the innovation topic? And I say, what would you give to buy Facebook stock in 2007? What would you give to be the first of your industry in LinkedIn in 2010? And I say, now that might be the case for voice, you know, and you need to prepare, you need to build up internal muscle, you need to deal with it, and you need to allocate a few resources on that, at least to scout and do pilots and try it out. And we have the big problem with the egg and the hen. I'm not sure if you say that's the same in, in English, you know, what was first? Nobody knows. You know, the egg or the hand. So one of both needs to have been there first. It's the same what people say about voice and customers. Is anybody selling insurance policies or banking products via voice? Well, there are insurers and banks that do that, but it's in, not in the billions of revenue. On the other hand, if you do not invest into the infrastructure, it might never happen. A big problem is the users. Why? Because if you do surveys and ask them, the answer is not always the truth. It depends on the social situation. And everybody is for privacy, especially here in Europe. Everybody loves privacy and data protection, all of that. But they all use Google, you know, um, or other companies. And I love them. I love them. But what I want to say with this, make a difference between what the people tell you anecdotally when you are a finance decision maker and look at the, at the proof, what they're really doing. Do not listen to them. Watch what they're doing. And if I watch people, they have. And if you look at the numbers of devices sold, it's unbelievable. Part of your research. And um, I think it's uh, in, super interesting to see what people are doing. People are using this, not yet transactional, at, at least in, in certain countries, not transactional, but they're using it. And the big, and we have not seen the Uber killer app on uh, there yet, but I have a funny feeling we will at some point, because one thing is sure, you can use your hands. It's easier for me, despite all, I don't know, privacy issues, it's easier to, to ask my Alexa device, can you please play me this music? instead of going to my phone. It saves me seconds and, you know, I sacrifice my privacy for these seconds. Yeah. And I think what, you know, where you started is that this, you know, what, what you've just highlighted there is this ease and convenience and this speed to activate. And I think one of the things that I kind of come back to my point about insurance and financial transactions is that they are the things that, you know, we have to live with. But most of us don't choose to. <laughs> They're not the things that we try and occupy our time with. And we're always looking for time uh, saving, aren't we, in those? Yeah, but it's our fault as industry. I mean, it's not the fault of the client that they don't like us. It's our fault. I mean, uh, when we are not part of their daily lives, it's not their fault. They're not too dumb. We are too dumb to make us being part of their daily life. 
Finance has the big advantage. People are checking their checking account. They are interested in that. Insurance, not so much. But both have the super opportunity to become part of the daily lives of their clients with voice skills, with PSD2 and open banking skills, which, by the way, can be combined also. So um, so I worked for a private bank who was the, one of the first PSD2 and open banking uh, apps, super successful, limited to uh, affluence. Um, and uh, the most favorite uh, function was, what is my worth? So, you know, especially male before they go to bed, they check to check, they, they tend to check how much, how much their money is. But this means people to use your app or your voice skill at the end of their day in a very private moment. That means you have made it into their private space, which is like a luxury situation. You can also provide other digital products and services. And at some point when they have a pain, they come to you because you, they trust you that you solve their problem. So again, yes, banking is high frequency insurance, not, and they don't like us, but that's our problem and we need to change that. So that's so good. And you, you mentioned that scenario of, you know, can you get into people's private moments there? And what that really speaks to is, you know, can you become part of the habit? Can you become part of the routine that people go through in the morning, in the evening? I don't know about you, but like, I'm not, you know, kind of a chronic overchecker of my bank balance, but I'm most likely to do it in the morning when I wake up and I see a bunch of transactions have happened overnight because I've got the notifications or whatever. I'm going to go tap into that. And yeah, you know, that could be both dopamine inducing, you know, if you've uh, kind of you know, ticked off some things you need to get done, but also can be quite, you know, activate that fight or flight response if things have gone out faster than you're expecting. And I wonder whether or not you see an opportunity in voice, perhaps providing a maybe a more human or empathetic way of dealing with some of those tasks that often are quite transactional by their nature and also quite numeric in, in many ways. I think we should really think about who is in the center. If I go have a look at innovation portfolios of projects, if I look at presentations from uh, insurers, banks, or befriended consulting companies, as one thing, one constant, and that's they all think about the organization. How can we organize us better? How can we you know, do things better, but not for the clients, but because of for themselves? That's totally natural. But, you know, it's us, us as, you know, external crazy sparings partner to say, you know, where's actually the client? I actually recently had a, I don't know, 120 page presentation on my desk uh, or on my computer, actually. And it was like on page 84, the first time they talk about the client. I mean, come on, you know, who's going to pay the party? And so who is actually in the center? It's not about making more processes stream. It's not about that the client and the end consumer can change their address via a skill. I mean, that's not a pain point solving for the client. It's a pain point solved for us. It's okay when we do that at some point, but we need to, if we want the killer Uber app uh, or voice skill uh, in our industry, we need to deliver such a service that relieves the client and the end consumer of pain and friction. And that they, you know, in a lot of cases, they don't care about uh, um, our problems, about the address. You say it's your problem. Here, you should actually get, you should actually automatically get somehow my that my address changed. Why should I inform you and spend my valuable time doing your job? I pay you for. So, um, and that's of course, I do not know what the uh, finance and insurance killer voice skill will look like because if I would know, I would reserve my private island. <laughs> of course you would. Of course you would. Following the success of our first voice commerce report, we're back and proud to announce the launch of the Voice Consumer Index 2021. Brought to you by the team at Vixen Labs in partnership with Open Voice Network. 
The Voice Consumer Index 2021 is an in-depth look at people's behaviours around voice assistance on smart speakers, mobile and web across the US, UK and Germany. The Voice Consumer Index explores seven key sectors, banking and insurance, retail, food delivery, entertainment, consumer packaged goods, healthcare and travel. And we have a host of free materials to help you get the best start. Head to vixenlabs.co to access all of the Voice Consumer Index findings. If you're after a one-to-one consultation tailored to your industry, then email us at podcast at vixenlabs.co. Include the code VIXENPOD21 in your email for a 10% discount on the consultation fee. So I want to turn a little bit of our conversation now towards some of the findings we had specifically within finance and banking. And you know, those of you listening, if you've read the white paper from the VCI report or you've looked at the executive summary, all of which can be found at vixenlabs.co slash VCI hyphen 2021. Find it also in the show notes. You'll not find, however, some of these kind of core stats. And if you've listened to other episodes in the show, you'll know that we've been going through a series of different insights and deep dives into different industries. And we asked in each of these scenarios some top task questions. What types of things did people want to do? What were the most important to them to be able to do, regardless of what platform they choose to use them on or what technology? And then we asked them, what were they most likely to use voice to do these tasks in the future? And particularly in the finance sector, there is some really interesting insights in here. When it comes to the things that were most important to people, the top two boxes that everyone checked in the UK, the US and Germany was pay a bill and check my bank balance. And that's probably no surprise. These are the things that people do every day. We saw across the board 70% or higher hitting those top two boxes, those repetitive, simple to do, but quite inane tasks that we all have to get into. The third box that we saw people ticking in the UK and the US was very interesting which was get directions to a physical location. But our friends in Germany, down at 27%. So Robin, maybe just, you know, we've got a countryman here on to maybe speak to the German perspective. Maybe can you just unpack that stat for us particularly? Why are Germans so much more or less likely to be looking for a physical location right now when it comes to looking for their bank? I could try to make a joke and say, we know where we need to go to get our money. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yes. Okay, fine. Yeah, just kidding. Effic- just kidding. You um, made the joke about German efficiency. I didn't. So I'll no, let you have that one. No, that's um, okay. It's okay. Yeah. No, but uh, I, I think all kidding aside, it's really funny because all other statistics and data show that Germany actually is way behind paying digital way behind using credit cards or even, you know, a debit card that works as credit. We are way behind all of these payment systems. So it's actually funny that there's this finding that number three is not looking for physical locations. I do not know the reason, but it's super interesting that there's a contrast between what they're actually doing and this finding. And maybe they really know where the nearest bank is. I don't know, because they're less mobile, possibly. But we also have seen uh, the situation that retail banks have been shutting down like in the hundreds and thousands. So I'm even surprised that anybody goes there uh, still. And maybe that's what we could look at and would be interested in if we could see maybe dying of the retail bank, if that's faster here than in the UK and the US. Maybe that has a correlation with that. Well, certainly from some of the other anecdotal information we've seen is that that, you know, generally speaking, there is a, you know, a lot more focus on online banking services. But the thing that's always stumped me slightly in terms of the German kind of market is the lack of wanting to pay online. I remember in the early days of things like PayPal and 
you know, kind of looking at some of those kind of early digital services or, you know, kind of mobile banking terminals and contactless. Germany has always been way behind. But at the same time, there seems to be this kind of breakdown of reliance upon physical bricks and mortar stores. And that, I suppose, then juxtaposes with this really interesting thing around the opportunity that presents for banks to to serve their customers in a different way, right? And you obviously you've seen this a lot with the, the consultancy that you do with these types of clients. How are banks then thinking about how they might serve clients for those frequently asked questions and those simple transactional information if they're not relying upon physical stores? Is digital actually paving the way there? I would love to say yes, but I fear I do need to say no, because that would have the prerequisite of that you think about your client and not about your own need. And they don't in a lot of cases. They think about my branch, my career, my problems, my issues, my low interest rate, and that has not changed yet. Who does a very good job since years is ING all around. So I think they could be there, for example, super good. I'm not sure if they're strong in the voice per game, but the, all other digital products and services are super interesting and they are pushing it a lot. So um, so, so that's a very good example of doing doing that, actually. But again, of course, you, the voice skill could or voice things could supplement that. Um, but the big problem is, and um, I'm not sure if, if the whole organization is ready for that, to be quite honest. It's interesting, though, as we look at, we've obviously looked at these top tasks that people really care about. But then when we look at what they're most likely to use their voice to do, this is where one carries over and one rises to the top. The one that carries over is check my bank balance, which feels to me like, as you have highlighted before in our conversation, yeah, this is the thing that we all obsess over. How much money do I have? Whether you're rich or poor, you've got loads of it, or you're always after more of it. Yeah, whichever end of that spectrum, you probably care how much is in the bank. But the thing that follows very quickly behind this is find answers to common questions. And yeah, we've seen this time and again in each of the industries that we've dived into. This role that voice can play in providing answers to FAQs, yeah, frequently asked questions, that the top 20% of stuff that rises to the top, right, serves usually the 80% of customers that are asking for it. It's that classic 80-20 rule. You know, where do you see opportunity for that, particularly in some of these more complex financial markets like insurance, where often it's not very clear what my policy covers or it's not very clear what I can claim for? Do, do you see an opportunity here? Totally. But I, I, would, I would not only see it in answering frequently asked questions. I would see it in becoming the daily companion in supporting your clients in financial and risk questions. But that's what actually finance and insurance is all about. It's about, um, yeah, one thing is, you know, managing assets, gaining assets, and the other one is saving and securing these assets against the risks of daily life. This is insurance and finance in a nutshell. And uh, I really cannot understand why we limit ourselves just to boring policies and uh, bad, you know, transactional experiences. Why can't we actually become part of the daily life of our customers uh, on all platforms where their attention actually is? And if all data shows us that clients is going into voice, then it's our job as industry to go after them. You know, and the good salespeople actually and good retail bankers, they did it. They go after the clients. So I do not understand the hesitance actually going after the clients on this new platform. But again, not only for transactional questions, not only frequently asked questions, but why not becoming the point to go for all questions concerning uh, finance and, and risk topics? 
And I suppose insurance is an interesting one when it comes to this digital companionship side of things, because obviously insurance covers many, many different topics from you know, home and flood through to you know, kind of health insurance. And that's another area that we've seen actually quite a lot of advancements in this. In our episode that talking about health, um, you know, we've been looking at this idea of you know, kind of how digital companionship and voice might be able to help in that health journey. And obviously health insurers, particularly in the UK here, I'm thinking of um, products like Vitality, have been quite on the front foot of using voice and other connected IoT to become more of that companion role, bringing the role that insurance has into the forefront of consumers' minds rather than that kind of background safety net. Do you think that that's how we might see more insurers move in that model of being that ever-present companion? That would be a very smart move because it saves you also a lot of money and you're able to make a lot of money. Uh, I would not limit it only to insurance, but also banks. If you are there in the moment the client needs you, you know, that's great because, you know, he or she talks to you directly and you just need to say, what do you want? Product A, B or C. And, and that's the whole idea of it. And uh, and I think that's something important we need to talk about is really where's the attention of the client? Um, what kind of services can we provide to them and actually then be there? I think that's the important thing. Let's be there where our clients are and all data shows us they are in a lot of cases moving into voice. Yes, we have not seen the Uber app yet, but maybe it's time that we do not um, let other industries actually go and be the first, you know, contact point to the clients. But why let it not be? I always say, why do we need to repeat all errors of the past? We were last in the internet. We were last in social media. We were last on TikTok. Do we need to be last with everything? <laughs> well, let's hope not. Let's hope not. One of the things that we've seen voice and banking kind of be first is often in the area of mobile and accessibility. You know, people adding voice uh, interfaces, not to the third-party services of Alexa and Google Assistant, but often building them into the first-party banking app, which ultimately is replacing the branch you know, as the primary contact point for most people when it comes to interactions either with their pension provider, their mortgage provider, their insurer, or obviously their kind of day-to-day retail bank. What's your kind of take at the moment on how well <laughs> that's going for those people out there that have began these implementations? You know, how smart are these smart integrations right now? I'm sometimes astonished how slow we are in providing our clients with digital services that matter. Good example is Finance Guru, which is like a fintech from, from Germany. Great PSD2 open banking data aggregator of different checking accounts. Super interesting case. But it took them years to come up with a good categorization. What does it mean? James, you have certain income, certain outcome, not outcome, but expensive expenses. And, you know, this AI can categorize that so that you can analyze at the end of the month where the money went. Sounds super simple, technically super complex. Also because subject lines are changing and data is a disaster. Um, but it took him years for that. So I think banking and insurance both have the gigantic opportunity to, again, become part of the daily lives of our clients when we provide them the services that people actually like. And independent of any platform, voice is a big topic. And I think um, um, what is better, you go into your car, which is connected, and say, a car, please tell me how much money do I have in my checking account? And then they say this and that, and there are five bills, they need to be paid. Uh, and maybe you say, you know, at first some point, oh yeah, let's, these three are okay. The other ones I need to check, please send them to my bookkeeper, whatever it is. Um, um, we need to think about how can we relieve pain from the lives of our clients. A good example, for example, we have in Germany is the Uber competitor, MyTaxi or FreeNow. Why do I use that? I use that because they provide me a digital bill. I do not use regular cabs anymore. 
because what's going to happen with the regular bill, it gets lost. So I cannot book that into my bookkeeping system and my bookkeeping and tax guy are going to kill me. Nevertheless, if you have a good digital service, clients will decide independently of price. And that's something every CFO and CEO in insurance and finance should understand. Let's end the price discussion. You know, don't you want to have clients that don't care how much your service costs because you relieve pain of them? And if you are the bank or the insurer that, you know, does it differently, better, where everybody loves it, or even better, you don't even, you know, appear except with good content to help them, they will be in love with you and nothing is better. And I think we all learned this from Steve Jobs when clients are in love with you. Absolutely. Well, I, the one thing that Apple and other, you, know, you mentioned Steve Jobs, so let, let's go there. Apple's an interesting case in point here because for a long time, they have led the way when it comes to privacy and security on iOS as a platform. And the same true when it comes to voice. Siri is a much more closed ecosystem than that of Alexa or Google Assistant. And even though Android presents potentially a much wider commercial base for banks and fintechs to get involved in, iOS is often the gold standard of what people aim for because of that security uh, approach. But when it comes to voice, privacy is the thing that, no no big surprise, we're most concerned about when it comes to banking. Voice and privacy, they often don't go hand in hand. and It's been a concern. And even though the data suggests to us that many people have now overcome that barrier, uh, when it comes to fintech uh, you know, and, and financing overall, uh, it's still high up their register of concerns. Do you think that these new technologies that we've got, things like open banking, things like PSD2, and also the recent you know, changes we've seen in things like GDPR over the past couple of years. Do they open up a bigger opportunity now as we look forward for where finance may be able to come out of this cloud of privacy and, and you see more creative implementations? Despite the impact and the voice, no pun intended, of data security and privacy evangelists in the media, if you look back at history, there has not been one single technology that has been halted or stopped due to privacy and security reasons. I mean, this is something we need to think about. So on which side of history do you want to be? Those who, you know, say, oh, the trains should not go faster than 30 kilometers per hour because our brains cannot damage. So if you look at all technological advancements, you have these people that say, oh, it's not possible and yada, yada, yada. And in 99.9% of all technologies, they were wrong. And, you know, um, the technological advancement uh, in relieving pain uh, to all the clients prevails. And I think it's important that we deal with that. But I have to say, yes, Android and Apple, their differences technically, I do not understand in every single detail. But to be quite honest, we need to be where our clients are. And uh, I think 90 something percent are using Android. So you need to be where Android is. Yeah. So what I strongly believe, again, to say is uh, we need to take that into account we need to build the best the most secure apps that's made sense not that's possible that makes sense but in the end it's focus on let's relieve pain for our clients when we are capable of doing that the sky is the limit so robin i mean privacy you know we've talked about it it's it's an issue that isn't going anywhere. And we've always known in every technology revolution, there's that cognitive dissonance between what people say they're worried about and what they actually do. And it sounds like voice is going to be no different with that. So one thing I wanted to ask you as we close out here is, you know, you look, you've looked at our data and you're looking at the industry. You're scouting for opportunities for your clients and customers. It's in the name. 
Where do you see the next couple of years heading when it comes to voice and the financial industry? Is this an upward trajectory staying still or is this something that we're going to continue to see banks and, and financial institutions shy away from? No, I would differentiate between those who have used opportunities in the past, both industries and those who have been laggards for all the time. Those, you know, who have been laggards will be, la- will be late and last here too. The big question is how much, how much capital do they have left? Or will they be, you know, if, will they go down or bought by others and then, you know, restructured? And there will be first movers. There will be innovators that will use this. The big question is who will, um, develop the breaking through voice app in the finance and insurance space with what, what would be the digital service that excites everybody and everybody, you know, makes click. Yes, 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 yes. And all weird pop-ups that we are annoyed by when surfing through the internet. Um, and that's a big question. I don't know. Um, I have a funny feeling that we are, we'll be surprised in five to 10 years, what funny discussions we had. And I think in five to 10 years, everybody will ask their cup, oh, how much money do I have on my bank account or even more advanced products and services we cannot even think of right now well i think we're all going to be watching closely to digital scouting to the blog to the chatter to following you on twitter to stay on top of who might be leading the way in this space robin thanks so much for taking the time to hang out with us and talk about where uh, you know all of this is heading or maybe not if those people that are listening want to find out more about what you do and uh, your relationship with OVN and also digital scouting where can people find you on the internet to do that so if they want to see my serious side, go to LinkedIn. Um, that's where my presence is. And if you want to see my fun side, go to TikTok because we have the biggest channel for insurance and finance in the German-speaking countries. But I promise you, I don't dance. Okay, no dancing. The dancing insurance is yet to happen, but we'll look, we'll look forward to that. Uh, Dr. Rob Kiera, uh, Digital Scouting, Open Voice uh, Network Ambassador, and many other things besides. Thank you so much for hanging out for us uh, on this episode of Talking Shop. We welcome your opinions uh, please go follow robin go give him a like on tiktok and a share i'm sure he'll appreciate that and uh, thanks to all of you for listening to another episode of the podcast if you're interested in all of these data points and insights that we've covered in today's episode you can find out more about that over at vixenlabs.co and if you want to go download the latest edition of the voice consumer index for 2021 you can get all of that information if you just hit a backslash vci hyphen 2021 and you'll be able to download the executive report white paper and check out other episodes of the podcast as well where we've dived deep into other subjects around the data including retail we've looked at healthcare and we've got many others coming down the line as well so please do go check that out for now i've been your host james polter find me online at james polter and around the internet pretty much everywhere else and thanks so much for being here on another episode of talking shop we look forward to seeing to you soon and hopefully make voice work for your brand or business You've been listening to Talking Shop from Vixen Labs. If you'd like to download any of the Voice Consumer Index 2021 resources mentioned in this episode, then head over to vixenlabs.co slash VCI, where you can get the white paper, executive summary, and more delivered straight to your inbox. Until next time, keep talking. Keep talking.